Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are someone that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you've come to the right place. You don't have to call yourself anything. We don't have to use any labels. You're just someone that knows something isn't working for you and you want to make an intentional change. Let's go. Welcome back to Drink Less, Live More. If you are new to the podcast, I just want to let you know that there are a couple opportunities if you are interested in taking one of my programs. The first one is the 14-day break from booze. And so that's 14 days of just audio um, prompts that you'll get in your inbox every morning. It's about five minutes that you can listen to. Many of my clients say, oh, I listened to it while I got ready in the morning or on my drive into work. And so it just kind of helped them figure out what they wanted and what might be next. Maybe it was just like a reset that they needed and then they felt like they were good to go. Or maybe they were like, oh, I've recognized this isn't just a habit. This is something I feel more dependent on. And maybe I need to take a longer break. Some clients have recognized, oh, this is just a habit. Oh, that's cool. I can change habits because I've done that before. You know, so like they figure out some strategies there. Um, so anyway, there's that opportunity. And then you can also take the 90 day program, which is definitely much more of a time commitment and also just a more of a financial investment to really dig in deep. Like if we really want to solve the root cause of this problem, so we don't have to keep going through this stupid cycle over and over again and banging our heads against the wall, that is a great opportunity for you. So that is also self-guided and you get Um, anywhere from a 20 to 25 minute video every single week, plus workbook pages and things to do for the week. So those are the two opportunities. If you're new to the podcast or new to my work, uh, you can just go to rachelpritz.com to look at those options. And if you're just here because you're just exploring, I did the same thing, you know, four years ago where I was like, I don't know this this relationship with alcohol just feels unhealthy, but I don't know how to get out of it. I started following people and listening to podcasts. And like that really helped me just gain some clarity on what it was I wanted. So I'm glad you're here. If you're here, you know, just listening along and on that exploring uh, journey for sure. So this week, uh, it was no marketing ploy to pull you in by saying grieving the loss of a friend. I didn't lose a physical friend, just so you know. So I think um, as I was writing the title for this, I thought, yeah, be a little sleazy. I don't know if people are going to come in and be like, oh my gosh, who died? You know, like I want to, I want to figure out who died for Rachel. Um, no, no physical friend that, that I lost, but it's been something I've thought about for a while. And I really didn't realize it when I was in the thick of, of my, you know, almost year long break, but I see it now in hindsight. And I've heard a lot of people talk about it and it's just really rang true for me as well. And so, you know, thinking of alcohol as this almost best friend. For me, it was a best friend for a long, long, long time. And, you know, I think the problem of loneliness is not going away anytime soon. I don't think it's getting any better. The research actually shows it's not getting better. It's showing that millennials and younger generations are actually really struggling with loneliness And you would expect the opposite, you know, like they're surrounded with friends and all these things. College students really struggle with loneliness. I personally experienced that in my college journey. You know, I went off to school. I was trying to meet new friends and 
didn't really find where I landed in a group of friends in a large school. And I was lonely. I mean, it was really, really hard. And so, you know, I like you can be surrounded by people and still be completely lonely. You can be in a marriage and be completely alone. You can have seven kids running around your house and feel completely alone. So it's not about surrounding yourself with people. It's about, I think, those real connections. You know, I need a fair amount of alone time. I think many of us do. But I think it's because I'm not getting the connections that I need when I'm in person with people. And so when I have those connections, then I seem to need less alone time. Like I'd rather spend an hour having a great conversation with a friend than be alone if it's the right people. So, you know, back to the idea that alcohol was my friend. Wine was my best friend. She was consistent. Every night I could come home and open her up and have that first glass and I could pretty much count on how I was going to feel after that first glass and like yes it's a nice cozy warm blanket wrapped around me and it just felt comforting and that's what I was looking for I was looking for someone to comfort me because I was the comforter for everyone else in my life with being a mom um, being a nurse you know all these things I was the comforter and I just wanted that to go away you know like I wanted that like pressure to comfort others to go away. And I wanted some something to comfort me. And wine did it. Now, the next morning, she wasn't such a great friend. I was like, you know what? That bitch needs to go. Like, I, I, I don't care for how I feel the next morning after a bottle of wine. But really, you know, it felt like when I first decided to take the break, um, not the first 30 days, but after that, I did start to feel kind of like, I feel like I have to grieve something here. There was something going on that I couldn't pinpoint. And now I know in hindsight, it was feeling like I lost a friend. And quite frankly, at the time, the only friend I could count on. So really interesting to think about. Uh, So when we look at the grief cycle, some of you are probably familiar with this. You know, they kind of like put it together as a linear thing. I have never experienced grief as anything linear. But there's kind of these different phases that you move into and you can go back to them and, you know, like, I don't think you're ever really done with it. Uh, But in this circumstance with alcohol, you know, I've gotten to that acceptance phase and it's like, okay, this is where I'm at because I've been able to do the the work. Um, So the first one is really denial. So I'm going to talk you through my experience with this grief cycle. So denial um, is really like that confusion, fear showed up there, shock, you know, where you're like, whoa, I can't believe that I'm getting the questions I'm getting about not drinking or I'm not getting invited to things because I'm not drinking. So there was just this like that that phase was, you know, after the first 30 days where I was like, oh, my gosh, and I'm confused now. So I feel really good, and now I'm starting to recognize that, like, maybe alcohol is not as valuable to me, but I'm still kind of confused because I still kind of want it. You know, I haven't gotten to that that part of where I stopped wanting it or desiring alcohol. I was still shifting my mindset. And then you move into anger, and there was a lot of anger there. I mean, I was kind of exhausted by the amount of anger that I was carrying around. There was anger towards myself for letting myself get so duped by the alcohol industry and 
not just the alcohol industry, but like duped by our media and duped by the other moms I hung out with and duped by my family of origin. Like it just felt like, like I was so angry that people didn't tell me how much better I could feel without drinking a bottle of wine every night. And like that, that wasn't normal. Like that felt so normal to me because most of the people I hung around with were drinking that or more. So it was like, that was normal to me. So, so angry about that. You know, I have this master's degree in nursing, worked in healthcare for a long, long, long time. And again, felt duped. Like we didn't have classes on this stuff. No one taught us this stuff. I think half the people that work in healthcare are heavy drinkers, you know? So it's like nobody really shared this with me. And I just felt like that was unfair. So there was some anger there. I definitely had some anger towards some friends and family members that seemed to not understand what I was doing. Um, and I was like, yeah, well, you're still duped. That's why you don't know what I'm doing. You know, there was just a lot of anger towards towards others and towards just, I think, our culture in general. Um, the third part of the grief cycle is bargaining. So that's where we kind of just are like, oh, my gosh, I just I give like I am so overwhelmed. I feel completely helpless here. And, you know, I did, I, I went through some of that where it was like, I don't even know what the heck I want. And am I going to bargain like to say, well, if I only drink this amount, then it'll be fine. What if I only put in some, you know, I'm only going to drink once a week and there that's the rules. I'm going to do that, you know, um, I'm going to put together these rules. Well, I've never really been great at sticking to my own rules. So I started to say, well, maybe I should just be measuring how I feel every day. Like that is the measurement of success. So if I decide to have a drink one night and I don't sleep as well, and the next morning I wake up a little groggy, hmm, was that successful? Or if I had a drink and I woke up and felt completely fine and totally unfazed and not affected by the alcohol the night before, Okay, so that's interesting, you know, so there was just all this kind of bargaining back and forth and bargaining. Do I want to be a drinker? Do I not want to be a drinker? And quite frankly, I didn't land on either one. I kind of landed it somewhat neutral on the subject where I'm like, I if I choose to have a drink, it will be because I really want to. It'll be an empowering decision. And most of the time I prefer not to drink. So that's kind of where I landed. Um, then you get into there's kind of this like depression phase and you know, I stopped drinking November 1st of 2020 and went through the winter season kind of in that depression phase where I was just like, blah, like I just felt blah. And I couldn't tell if it was, you know, wintertime, weather related, what was going on in my life that made me feel so blah. Some of it was, I think, just coming down from the pandemic and all the emotions and, you know, hard things that we all had to go through. Um, and we were running on adrenaline and then that adrenaline ran out, you know? So I think it was part of that. I was trying to kind of pinpoint like where that came from. But then I do think that the loss of the, my good old friend Chardonnay was part of the problem. Like that was part of why I was in that state. And I was still figuring out like, what is it that I want to do with my time? Cause a lot of my time was consumed by drinking. And time went by real fast when I had a bottle of wine. Like you could zip through 6 to 10 p.m. real fast uh, with a bottle of wine on board. And so like what do I want to do with my time and my energy and what do I even like anymore? Like this used to be my hobby. So what am I going to do now that's a different hobby? So, you know, there was a lot of that that I was trying to, to, to figure out. And then that last phase of the grief cycle is the acceptance, which is really 
where I'm at now, you know, I mean, I still go through some of these. I still have these experiences of the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, for sure. I think that's just sort of part of life um, and the human experience. But the ex- I'm at the acceptance phase of like, okay, I have done all the experimentation to recognize where I want to be with alcohol. Do I always nail it? No. Um, so there have been times where I'm like, oh, that was too much. You know, like I chose to have two beers at that movie and I felt it the next day. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, so I'm still learning and evolving through it, but I've just sort of accepted that I will be learning and evolving through it probably for the rest of my life. Um, and really just figuring out, like going after what it is I want, like what is it that I want to do, regardless of what our culture or society tells me to do, or my friends or my family or my husband or anyone external from me tells me what to do. So, you know, I've gotten through all of those those stages of grief. If you've ever experienced grief of someone that you love, um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I personally have experienced that, and it was a really tough experience. I also, again, don't think it's linear. So I think if you're kind of on this journey and you have some of these peaks and valleys, I think it's completely normal. Just know that if you're in a peak, you might end up in a valley. That's sort of just the human experience. Um, I've seen this video of Tom Hanks sitting around with some other famous actors. And the question posed to them was like, what would you have wished you would have known earlier on? And his guidance was, well, if everything's going great and you're doing great and everybody's hiring you, all these things are great. He's like, this too shall pass. Um, And then he also said, and if everything's not going great and nobody's hiring you and you're feeling down in the dumps, well, this too shall pass. So, you know, it's just one of those experiences that I think I've really settled into um, with being a human. Um, and that took me a while to do. You know, you just, we want to fight it. Like, we want to fight the fact that we're in the situation we're in. And it just doesn't really help us. It doesn't get us out of it any sooner. In fact, it probably keeps us there longer because we're fighting against it. You know, if we can just say, okay, this happens to be an ebb, not a flow. What am I going to do with this ebb? Like, what is the opportunity here? What has this been given to me to teach me? So I would invite you to just explore your own experience. You may not have even started uh, a break from alcohol, or maybe you're three years in, similar to me, or maybe you're just six months in, or maybe you just started with a dry January. I think this is relevant for anyone at any stage because you'll see yourself in it. So um, if you're still in that sort of denial phase that it's even a problem, Well, you probably aren't there because you wouldn't be listening to this. But if you're still kind of like, there's part of you that's battling against that, right? You're fighting against that, that like, yeah, I think it's a problem. But then I'm also like, wait a minute, so-and-so drinks way more than I do. You know, like maybe you're still in that phase. Just know that like you may have a bit of a roller coaster of emotions and experiences as you decide to change something pretty big in your life, you know? And I think the loneliness factor also comes from like the change in socialization and how you socialize because you don't go out for drinks anymore. Um, You don't invite a friend out for cocktails, you know, because it's not what you do anymore. So it's like there's a whole shift there. So there's a loneliness factor there too because you're totally changing how you operate in the world. So Keep that in mind, too. I feel like that was a big part of it as well. Like just such a shift in in how I move through the world and what I do for fun and all those things. So 
I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, I'm here if you need anything. Rachel at rachelpritz.com. I openly give out my email address. Uh, maybe I shouldn't because I get a lot of really ridiculous sales opportunities. Like, does Rachel Pritz coaching need compressed air? No, I do not. But thank you for sending me six messages about compressed air. Um, so maybe I shouldn't do that, but you know what? I love connecting with all of you. I love the messages you send just for my weekly newsletters and from the podcast. They really do help me continue to evolve, not only just in my own journey, but with how I help other people evolve through this. So it's really helpful to get that feedback, both, both the positive and the constructive feedback. I love all of it. So, uh, reach out to me if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or you just want to say, Hey, or if you have an idea for the podcast, I would love that. And I hope you have a good week. We will be back next week. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded for my weekly Wednesday episodes. If you're curious about my programs and options of ways to work with me, check out rachelpritz.com. And if that's not interesting to you right now, no problem. Just keep listening along for free. Either way, I'm here for you.